Welcome back to another interview with Player One. I'm, of course, your executive producer, Eleni, and very, very exciting interview we've got. You know, anyone who's a fan of the the local gaming scene, the Australian gaming scene, we love supporting them, and I've got a great interview here. We have Lonely Shark. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm very good. Very excited to chat with you about all things games. Uh, Awesome. For anyone listening and watching in who hasn't heard of you before, hasn't come across you, please feel free to introduce yourself. Um, my name uh, or my Twitch name is Lonely Shark Melb and I do variety horror. Um, and yeah, don't like to just do one game. And generally the people you find in uh, that community are people that they like horror games, but they don't necessarily like playing them. So I kind of just do it for them, you know. Oh, absolutely. And that's one thing I, I really love. Um, I definitely am one of those people who loves watching horror games be played through. So um, I'm curious, is that something that when you got into streaming, you were always wanting to do like stream horror games or was it something that kind of just evolved through time? It kind of just happened because when I started streaming, I was just doing Dead by Daylight. And I know that's, I don't consider Dead by Daylight a horror game. It's, you know, it's a multiplayer, like people versus people there's no like AI there to kind of like scare you but um I uh I sort of fell into it because yeah like I said when I started um I was just playing with my friends and then the pandemic happened which was like 2020 and then I got NBN and I was like hey I can just stream why not you know so then I ended up just streaming it and then sort of grew from there and I was still doing Dead by Daylight then I decided I wanted to take like whatever this was a little more seriously which meant I needed to actually have like something that wasn't just me playing with my friends and I needed something that was sort of just like content that's actually entertaining for people to watch and then someone made me uh, I forgot it was someone made me play a horror game and I was so so scared playing it and then from that point on it sort of just became a thing where I was like hey, it's actually really good content if I'm getting really, really scared. Oh, Um, definitely. And then just since then, just evolving it and trying to make it better and all that stuff. Yeah, 100%. Um, And you sort of touched on then, you know, COVID potentially impacting, you know, you getting into streaming, taking it a bit more seriously. I'd love to sort of hear you talk about your journey in getting into streaming and sort of what the role it has in your life now. Yeah, it takes up a lot of my life now. It's 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 basically a second job at this point. And um, like the COVID thing, it was just like something to do. And then it, like I said, it slowly just became something that I'm like, hey, maybe I can actually do this. Because when I started, you know, the chances of like becoming or, or getting to a point where like you could become like, you know, financially stable or something, doing something like this is very, very slim. Um, even at where I'm at now, which I would consider like pretty, pretty high. I think, um, even then it's still not enough to like, to, to be able to live, like kind of live on, you know, especially in Melbourne. Um, so I think that it, uh, it's sort of like interesting the way that it all sort of came together because I've always had a passion in film. I've done like photography, music videos, I've done short films 
But the thing is with those roles, I never really had like one thing I wanted to do. I was like, I want to direct, I want to write, I want to do this, I want to do that. Um, I want to edit. Um, I wanted to do everything. And then when I started streaming, I sort of started to fall in love with like the ability of like having this control and being able to like do different things on the camera or like have different effects happen or like different things and essentially make it into a show um, where I was doing everything. Um, and it was just really fulfilling in that sense, I guess, especially during COVID where, you know, I was just working from home. Whereas now I'm still sort of working from home, but, you know, I'll work nine to five and then I'll stream five to 11. And then I've got to find time to like do clips because if you're not like making clips for like TikTok or something, then it's just like nothing. And now I've started like trying to put out a YouTube video once a week. And I'm like, I don't, I don't have fun. Like I have fun, but I don't have like, I don't do anything anymore. <laughs> like I don't, I don't really like have a chance to go and do anything unless I made this full time. But then it's like, can I do that full time? But then you never really know unless you did it full time, because if I put all the effort that I was doing from my day job and put it into this, then would it be more viable? So. No, it definitely know. is a balancing act. And I think I like that you sort of touched on the, the internal struggle of making it like a full-time job. Cause I think, you know, having spoken to other streamers, particularly ones based in Australia, I think that's something that a lot of people grapple with that idea of, you know, working full-time as another job and then basically having another full-time job being their streaming but then yeah. you know having to weigh up if they can take the chance of you know potentially moving away from a stable income and really trying to break into the streaming scene um so I, I love that you mentioned that um one thing that I really loved you spoke about was sort of your background in film and cinema um and, you know, we're sort of living in an age now where video games are so cinematic you know the graphics are fantastic you have horror games that can almost double as you know films you look at like the super yeah. massive games for example um I'd love to get your take on on sort of the evolution of games like do you think that more cinematic games like you know super massive like until dawn um the the way they play out like movies is sort of the way that horror should go for video games I don't know I don't think so because my issue with a lot of like and I, I, I sort of call like the, the big horror games, like, you know, you've got like your, um, I'm trying to think like just off the top of my head, like, uh, <laughs> like um, I mean, Alien Isolation is pretty scary. That was a big one. But mm -hmm. like, I'm, I'm thinking like Dying Light 2, for example, yeah. like that's a horror game. But is it really a horror game? Like when a game has like so much budget behind it, there's uh, a lot of pressure from like the publishers to make that money back. So if you made something that was purely horror, not everyone's going to want to play that. Whereas you need to inject like a bit of action or a bit of like, I like to call them like Hollywood, like Hollywood horrors games, because they, they, they're made in a way that like, it's, it's got like a horror flavor to it, but you're not really scared playing it. It's more like action or you're just killing as many zombies as you can, like back for blood or something is very, it's not really scary. It's just kind of like, just trying to, you know, you're just killing zombies really. Um, whereas it's interesting because I think the future, particularly for like horror games is in like indie developers because indie developers that you can make games with just like one or two people now that like, they're not like super technically impressive sometimes, but you don't need that with horror. It's sort of like less is more like the old horror films are the same way, like with Jaws, like less shark, it's more scary. 
that is a Hollywood film, but you know what I mean? The Evil <laughs> Dead is kind of like off the grid kind of horror that does really well. They're cheap to make and they make a lot of money, but they wouldn't, if they'd given them like millions of dollars to make, they wouldn't have made that money back. So that's why, you know, a lot of Hollywood directors, when they start out, um, they'll do a horror film to start because it's really cheap to make and they make more money than what they spent on it, which then gives them the credentials to do something bigger in Hollywood for the next step like Sam Raimi, for example, and, and sort of things like that. So I think like with the indie horror, like they have no restrictions, right? It's just, we want to make a horror game and we want it to be scary and this is our vision. And then because they're making it independently, they don't have like a publisher that's throwing money at them. That's also saying, okay, you need to make sure that, okay, we can't do that. We need to do this. And it needs to appeal to a wider audience so we can make this money back and make more money on top of that. So I think that's like the hardest thing about like video games and, and horror games is you're never really gonna get, it's it's really hard to get like a pure horror game like from a big, big publisher because like I was reading about like Resident Evil 7 cause that's like a pretty scary game. Um, but like there was like some statistic that like not a lot of people ended up actually playing Resident Evil 7 because the fact it was like too scary which is why they sort of went back to Resident Evil 8, which was a little bit more action-y and like uh, not as dark and all that stuff, you know? No, I, I am one of those people. I think I did, have, I have played Resident Evil 7, but I put it off for like a solid year because yeah, I was yeah. like, especially after watching people play it in VR, that yeah. really put me off. I, mean, I, I was like, same. I get really scared in horror games, like really scared. I can't play them by myself. It has to be on stream. No, exactly. And like the first person element, I was like, no, I can't do this, but I did yeah. play. It's a great game. Um, yeah. It did and well, did... but yeah, there was like some statistic where it's just like, not a lot of people actually played it or like people would buy it, buy it, but not finish it. And yeah. No, I was, yeah. Like I remember I started it and then I had to just like put it away for a, a couple of days. And I think I ended up playing Breath of the Wild again. Cause I just <laughs> needed to cleanse my soul a little bit before yeah. getting back into it. Um, mm -hmm. But in terms of other video games, um, I know obviously you love horror, but are there any other sort of genres you love? What, what about, you know, have you got any favorite games you you dare mention um, to the listeners? <laughs> I, uh, like, I have, like, some guilty pleasures that I don't stream because it's not on brand for me. Um, but I, like, I love playing Fortnite so much. It's just such a fun game. Like, it's so easy to, like, you know, uh, diss Fortnite. Like, it's fun to pick on. But when I actually started playing it, I was like, damn, this is, uh, it, it's really smooth. It's well-made. Uh, it's fun to play. Um, and it's just fun. You know what I mean? You can go in for like 30, like pl play like a 20 minute round and just be like, yeah, that was cool. Whereas like, you know, I remember playing PUBG back like a while ago. And if you died, you'd be waiting like 40 minutes for your friend to run across a desert just waiting for them to die so you could jump into the next round and and it doesn't have that so it's nice it was fun um i think yeah probably like that i mean i could quickly pull out my steam but i <laughs> like forewarned is great i don't know if you know what forewarned is it's still a little horror-y but uh it's a really good multiplayer game too um but yeah i i mean again i don't really get a time to play games for myself anymore which sucks <laughs> And you would never stream Fortnite, you don't think? It's too off-brand for you? Uh, I do have, like, an an, an alt account where I I uh, can play Fortnite, but it's a little more, bit more relaxed. Not everyone knows about it, and I, like, will edit clips on there 
So if anyone comes in from my community and wants to like learn how to edit clips from their streams or something, they can just watch or ask questions while I edit them, but then I'll do some Fortnite on there too, just because why not? I love that. I love that. Um, and, you know, speaking about um, your community, something I really love is this push you have towards sort of positivity and specifically, um, you know, you you mentioned this idea of like wholesome vibes, you know, having yeah. your, your only fins, which I love. Um, <laughs> do you mind sort of talking about the importance you place on making sure your community is a safe space? Well, it's, I mean, it, it can be hard because as soon as you start calling something like wholesome vibes or, you know, something something like that it um I mean anyone can say that and that's sort of like a buzz thing at the moment like oh this is a wholesome place or that's so wholesome like I feel like the term wholesome just lost so much meaning yeah um so I just like to try and put like a big emphasis on just like showing appreciation where I can but I you know even I worry sometimes am, am I saying things too much to the point where it's starting to become a script or like, it sounds like a script. So I just try and like all the time, try and like find new ways to just show appreciation to the people that are there. And I always like to highlight like how nice everyone's been to each other and like, just point it out and, or say like, you know, you guys have been so nice to each other. And I, I, I always bring it back to the fact that, you know, I, I guess I don't think I, oh, maybe I do have it in my thing. I don't really like to highlight the wholesomeness anymore in descriptions. I'd rather people just come in and, and, and decide for themselves. Cause I think ultimately if you go in somewhere and you're like, yeah, the vibes are good here. Like we don't need to tell you, you know what I mean? Um, so I think that if we, I totally lost my train of thought now. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. That's, it's called streamer brain. Um, yeah. It, get, it only gets worse with the years but um yeah it, it, I I kind of always bring it back to the fact that you know the internet can be like a pretty toxic place but like at least people know that if they come here like it's going to be like a good place for them to come and like just hang out I have people that come in that have like a lot of stuff going on um and generally like I don't really want people to be like sharing a lot of that stuff in the chat because it can be triggering for for other people in there too but I like to let you know them know like you know you're welcome to hang out here with us and like just distract yourself and you know you're around good people and all those kind of things um it can be it can be with like the whole thing I, I know a lot of people and a lot of peers have said like oh like lonely sharks like nicest guy on twitch and stuff like that but I don't know, like maybe, but there's so many amazing people out there. All I'm, all I believe is that if you sort of put an energy out into something, you sort of receive that energy back. So I feel like the community that has like become of this is sort of like giving back what I was, what I've been putting out. And I think you get that with so many streams. And I always let like people know, I'm like, you know, it's good. Like if someone were to come into the stream, you can tell a lot by the streamer as well, by like the way that the chat is talking or talking to each other. So I think that's a really good indication. No, absolutely. I, I love that. That's fantastic. Um, I guess you did sort of touch on, you know, that sometimes streaming and Twitch can be a negative place or it does breed some toxicity. I'm just curious, you know, in your experience streaming, have you ever come across someone who's hopped on and maybe hasn't exactly fit the the sort of community you're wanting to encourage and and what have you done about you know the people who come on and maybe want to pick fights or 
uh, yeah. throwing around things that aren't exactly you know, promoting <laughs> promoting good good environments. Well, at first, I always like to try and talk to people first. Um, but also if someone's been a bit trolly, I'll sometimes be a bit trolly back, but not to the point, not to the point where it's like, uh, uh, it's, it's sort of toxic, you know, because then that just gives a bad sort of example. I've been in some streams where someone in chat was being sort of like rude to the streamer, but the streamer was being rude back and it went on for like an hour and it was kind of like, what is this? Um, luckily I have like, honestly, I reckon the best mods on Twitch so what will gen generally happen is they're just always on top of it. They'll either like delete messages and go and whisper them straight away and just like let them know. And if they're really rude to them back, then they just ban them. Because ideally, you know, a lot of people like to watch and sometimes people are doing things while they're watching streams as well. So I find that if someone comes in, generally they're there to cause trouble. So my mods sort of know that if that's happening, I'm not really going to respond to it because then I'm acknowledging them um in which part people that are just listening are going to hear like some kind of drama and they're going to come and like then it's just going to become a thing so i'm like just get rid of the thing message them see what's going on if they're rude block them if they apologize that's fine and then we just move on so then that way it's all sort of behind the scenes and it just keeps things running smoothly because that's essentially that's all they want is just to like distract and then you know get attention from you things like that but yeah as soon as you sort of shut that down they just disappear no, totally. I think that's the way to go. Cause as you said, I think a lot of the time it's people want a reaction. So then if you, yeah. if you give them what they want, then it's kind of like, oh, yay. Like, here we go. Yeah. Um, Sometimes it can be hard because if you really like get back at them in a good way, it can be really good content for the clips later. Cause people like to watch that stuff on TikTok and everything. When, that like, is, some, you know, that is classic TikTok. You're definitely yeah. right. It's the little clips of like streamers clapping back <laughs> at, at the trolls. That is very mm -hmm. true. Um, I guess I just want to sort of shift and focus more on the fact that you are a local streamer, Melbourne-based. We're a Melbourne gaming radio show, so lovely to have you on. Um, yes. Represent. Uh, on that note, um, you know, streaming is obviously a growing thing, particularly in Australia. So I would sort of love to hear if you've got any tips for any local Aussie streamers who have just started out wanting to get into streaming. Have you got any sort of wisdom that you can impart to anyone, <laughs> anyone listening in? I mean, do you have another hour? Um, it's, I would say like that, you know, there's so many tips and tricks out there and they're all over TikTok. They're all over YouTube, like 10 things you can do. So I feel like I don't really have anything that I could add except like mindset. Like I think having a mindset or the right mindset going into streaming will definitely help with making or breaking it. Um, like, for example, you know, like I don't stream with a view account. I don't want to know how many people are watching me. And I always say this because it doesn't really matter how many people are watching you. If there's like one, two people, five people there and they're chatting with you every now and then, like those people have chosen to spend that time there with you. And if you are in that moment, any new people coming in will see, they will feel that, you know what I mean? That will feel that it's a good time to be here. Because sometimes when you know, a lot of people stream with a view count on, you can see like they're always watching it. They, maybe they're a bit upset. It's a little lower than last time. Um, but you know, it's streaming. Like someone might have, people have things on, people have lives. Not all the same people are going to be there all the time. So I think the more you can get into like a healthy mindset of just understanding things from that point of view, turning off a view count and just like being in the moment with the people that are there while you're streaming, 
um, it'll definitely help with your growth because you're essentially putting out what you would be putting out to no matter how many people were there. And people can see that confidence and that energy. Um, and then once you sort of get down like these sort of mindsets, like this, there's so many different kinds of mindsets you have, but the most important one is just to like, you know, you don't want to focus too much on like comparing yourself to others and, and things like that. But once you get that down and sort of figure out what you are and what you want to do, like, again, it comes down to like, are you streaming as a hobby or do you want to do it as a career? Because if you're doing it as a hobby, like just have fun. If you want to do it for a career, like there are things you're going to have to do that are going to take up more time than just streaming, like pre-planning, like what you're going to do, what you're going to talk about, um, doing stuff after so you can promote yourself on other platforms because you know, no one's going to find you on Twitch um, just randomly. It's really, really hard. Uh, and, and I guess just... Um, you know, realizing that uh, I totally forgot my last point, streamer brain, I'm sorry, but you, you see where I'm going there. It's, it's very much a mindset thing. You don't just, yeah, don't, don't get too caught up in the numbers and don't think that you're having a bad like month or something because it takes like 90 days or, you know, three months to really see growth um, on a scale. So if it's down slightly, like that's no big deal. Like that's just live streaming. Um, and, and get presence on like other platforms like YouTube as well. Because if you're putting content out on YouTube, it's got like evergreen stuff. You can earn ad rev. It's, um, you know, it's really great. Lovely. Yeah. And I really, <sighs> I really think it's great. Yeah. Take a breath. That was fantastic. Well done. You got that. Um, but I think it's great that you mentioned sort of the longevity of things. I think that's important. You know, people needing to be persistent. Um, mm. Uh, one thing I'm always curious about, particularly when I chat to sort of Aussie streamers, um, within your community, do you find a difference between people who engage who are Australians versus, say, overseas? Um, do you notice any differences with the way they engage with you? Any little funny things like that? Um, not really. I mean, there's so many. I think I probably know more Australian streamers than potentially viewers. And I'm friends with, like like so many Australian streamers now, which is cool. Like it's a very small community. And um, so it's, it's interesting. I don't really see, uh, I, I guess like one thing is just when people come in, they're like, hey, I'm from Melbourne too. And I'm like, hey, because it's in my name. So they just know. Whereas when I go or like uh, there's someone who's not from Australia there or I'm in someone else's chat that's American they, they call me Mel B, like I'm some Spice Girl. So I, <laughs> you can definitely tell when there's like an Aussie there because they they know it's Melbourne. They get that Melb is short for Melbourne. Yes, yeah. that, that would be a giveaway. <laughs> and then, then they're like, what if you moved to Sydney? I'm like, well, Melbourne boy at heart. I don't know. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah. I like know. I said, Melbourne represent. Um, <laughs> Uh, that is that is fantastic though um, in in terms of sort of you know the the future of your brand what you want to do with it have you got any goals for the next six months year any sort of specific growth that you want to see um, you know in, in your brand I do it's a bit unclear at the moment the my overall idea for like Lonely Shark was uh, it's something bigger than myself so it's sort of like a housing thing at the moment in terms of like, it can house a whole bunch of things. Um, really dumb description right there. But uh, I always see it as like being something bigger than myself. Um, sort of, I, like, I don't know exactly what that means. Um, but at the moment it is like my streaming thing, 
videos on YouTube and stuff like that. It used to be band photography and music videos, but now it's sort of moving in this direction. And, you know, originally my goal at the end of last year was to like hit partner, which is like um, a pretty big deal to, to do on Twitch. And then we sort of got there and then we got the partner. And now I always said that like hitting partner was never the end goal because like, that's just like potentially making partner was, was uh, my confirmation that I was like doing things right. So it was essentially the start of my content creation journey. I'm like, okay, I'm partner, I'm, ver- I'm verified. That means like, okay, I'm legit. I essentially got the job of being a content creator in my mind. Yeah. Because I think a lot of people have the concept of getting partners like the end game. And mm-hmm. then you kind of just like keep doing the same thing. I want to try and keep evolving like every couple of months and doing different things or else like, or else I'll get bored you know, people get bored. There's entertainment life cycles. Sometimes people are upset because a few months or like, you know, six months later, they're, they're, they're not getting as many viewers as they were six months ago, but it's not on them. You know, it's like people that watch content, like they need something else after a while. It's like why shows don't last forever, you know? So that's another mindset, by the way. It's like, don't think of if people aren't watching you, it's because of you personally, it's just an entertainment brain thing. No, absolutely. And, you know, also talking about the future, you know, um, with COVID, we had a lot of games being delayed. We've got a lot mm. of big releases this year. Any any games that are standing out this year for you? Anything that you know the minute it comes out, you'll be streaming it? Yeah, I. they're all horror games, though. So I, I think there's like Madison comes out at the end of the month, which looks really good. Indie dev. Actually, I did I did do a YouTube video of like the top five horrors I'm looking forward to. And it was like, Madison Choo Choo Charles, which looks really good, which is like, a, I don't know if you know about that, but it's like a, it's like a, it's, it's a train with spider legs and, a, and it, it wants to eat you, I guess. And then you've got to get in another train on this open world and try and like kill Charles. But it, it, it looks really cool. Um, another indie dev one. Um, and then there's just the mortuary assistant as well is probably the one I'm looking forward to the most. If you haven't heard of that, like there's a demo on Steam, but it's, it's probably one of the scariest things I've ever played. Um, and it scared me so much and I had such a good time playing it that I cannot wait for the full release. I literally went to Patreon of the dev and like signed up for a year because I'm like, I, I also really want to be in the credits. So, um, that would be really cool. Well, I can't wait. I can't wait to watch you play that because it sounds horrifying and I won't be playing it. Especially a train with spider legs. It's a big no-no for me. Big no-no. But I I also love how you've sort of discussed indie devs. I think it's a really fantastic thing to mention, you know, particularly Mm. in Australia, you know, looking at the way the government has been really focusing on giving out grants to a lot of Aussie developers, things like that. Um, Mm. Is that something that, you know, through your streaming, you like to really pick out the indie games um, yeah. and support them. Is it something that's quite important to you? Yeah, indie's just great. And like specifically for that reason, like all this big studio stuff is always going to have a formula that they think like, well, this is going to make us money. Even if it ends up being bad, they're still not going to take the risk. You know what I mean? It's kind of like, well, it's still going to sell. Whereas indie is just kind of like, oh, I just have this really cool idea and I want to do it. And I think when you play those kind of games, you're playing in, you're playing like someone's like sick idea, I guess, in a way, because you never really know what to expect. And I think that's part of the fun. Like, I don't really look up like trailers or stuff for the game. So when I say like, there's an indie game, indie horror game, and it's like, 
got pretty good reviews. I'm like, all right, I have no idea what I'm getting into here. And the best thing about them is the graphics can be amazing or they can be like really, really bad, but like, it doesn't matter because it still works. Like, I don't know if you've heard of Puppet Combo, like those games, they're very lo-fi 80s-esque, um, but they're still really good. Uh, and that I think that's that's just like the best part of it. Um, yeah. No, I love that. And I mean, as a content creator yourself, would you ever consider getting into game development? And and if yes, you know, if you had a dream <laughs> horror game to create, what would it look like? I don't know. Uh, I don't, I'm not that talented. Not that talent. I, I just get scared. Like when I get scared, I scream like Homer Simpson. So it like that's that's my skill set right now. And I play games okay. And if there's a really hard puzzle, I'm like, okay, chat, I need your brains because I cannot do this puzzle right now. Um, so yeah, I don't think I could make a game. Um, I, I couldn't even think of a good idea. Like originally before I started streaming, I was working for 10 years on a animated series, um, which was sort of about zombies and stuff. But once the streaming stuff sort of took off, I was like, I, I can't, it's one or the other and this one's going well. But uh, yeah, I mean, who knows, maybe I need to play, I need to play another 200 horror games before I know what, what's missing. Actually, I know what's missing. There needs to be more like alien horror games that are like actually about like aliens on a farm or crop circles or something. Cause there's one coming out that's like about that. And it's so terrifying. And I'm like, why don't we see enough of like, oh, I'm on, I'm in this farmhouse at night with a torch and like, you look out the window and you see like the crops move and maybe there's a hand or something. Like I find aliens just so scary because like they could be real. I don't know. But like in that situation of just like being in, in isolated on a farm at night and like weird stuff happening and like that's so exciting to me. And I don't really see a lot, a lot of games like that. I love it. You're a true horror fan because as you were describing that, I was like recoiling in fear and you were like, I'm so excited about that idea. That is I'm so true- excited. If I feel like chills, like I'm so excited. I'm like, oh, like, cause it just, it makes me feel alive. No, but a hundred percent. I don't know what it is, but it's definitely like the farm setting is mm-hmm. always a horrifying idea. Yeah. I like that idea of aliens. I think particularly, you know, you've mentioned zombies a couple times. I think we're living in a, in a gaming world where zombie content is almost constantly in the limelight um it's not even scary it's just it's it's something to shoot at essentially oh definitely and i think you mentioned dying light 2 and i love both dying light games but i did find the second game kind of turned down the horror dial a little bit and it basically Mm. was sort of um an action game but is there a zombie game that you would say is probably your favorite or one you'd recommend oh i don't no, I see. I really like the the kind of things that I like. They have to have like a lot of atmosphere. Um, like jump scares are fine, but it needs the atmosphere there with it, you know. So you you always kind of worried. So in terms of zombie stuff, I don't know if there's really been something that like has nailed that. Uh, I mean, I I just want to say Resident Evil is just a classic, but um, in terms of like something that I've played recently, it's interesting. I don't think I've it generally you don't really see a lot of indie games doing zombies that much and if they do it's it's not as scary so i don't know maybe the zombie genre needs re reviving <laughs> it needs to be revived yes <laughs> it needs to like they're, they're all running now and i think there was this whole idea of like running zombies are scary because it's just pure panic but 
I don't know, there should be something scary. Like, like you said, with the farm setting, um, it's creepy, but I think it's creepy because you're, you're all alone for like miles on a farm, but you don't feel like you're alone. And that's the scariest thing. It's like, well, I am alone, but my gut's telling me I'm not. And then your, your brain starts imagining things. So I think that's where the, the, the scariest stuff comes from. Cause you don't know. No, definitely. Than, I- hey, look how scary this zombie is. No, absolutely. I, I hope I hope the devs are listening in and they're like, all right, we need to make an alien game based on a farm right now. I would I would watch you play that. I would not play that. That would be that would be too much for me. Um uh but before we wrap up, um any sort of final words, anything you'd love to say to to your community, to anyone listening in? Um hello, OnlyFins. You guys are the best. Thank you for uh believing in me and um i can't wait to hang out on friday for some ash versus evil dead amazing it's probably going to be so outdated by the time this goes out but that's fine that's okay i'll, I'll try my hardest i will <laughs> um well thank you so much lonely shark for taking the time to chat with me um you did just mention you know a little shout out to com- your community but for mm-hmm. anyone who doesn't follow you and wants to really get into your work where can they find you on the socials on twitch um yeah you can find me on twitch lonely shark melb uh live every monday tuesday and friday uh so only three days a week and also on youtube just lonely shark i think um working on uh stuff that i don't do on stream on there as well and then just the usual like twitter and stuff but i mean you know come find out if you like me first before you follow me on twitter because that would just be annoying for you Lovely. Well, and for anyone else listening in who wants to get some more Play One content, you can find us at Play One Sin, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Of course, we're on all the good podcasts, Omni, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. If you want to check out our radio show, we air every Monday night, 8 to 11 p.m. on sin.org.au. Everyone listening in, I hope you've had a lovely evening. And this is Eleni saying farewell from Player One.